Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of ePROcast. I'm your host, The Big E, and as an update, this episode, besides all the major platforms, as Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Cast, and so on, is also available on YouTube in a video format. So please go check it out. Now, for this episode, I had a huge honor and opportunity to chat to Arman Aluwalia. He's the manager of business analytics at Kansas City Chiefs, who are the current world champions. He shared his awesome story of how he got into the sports business, starting from local business industry and fast forwarding now working in a global sports organizations as the Chiefs. We talked about what he does at Kansas City Chiefs, also about sports memorabilia, and then also how the small and big organizations are hiring nowadays. Arman also shared the latest books he has been reading, and also we wrapped it up with a reactions game. Hope you enjoy. All right, so welcome guys uh, to another episode of ePROcast, and today I'm continuing the uh, um, American uh, tour with, uh, with my guests from, from North America. And uh, this time, I'm really happy to have alongside me, um, all the way from Canada, Winnipeg, Canada now, Arman Alawalia. He is the uh, business analytics manager for uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who are the uh, latest, I call it this way, um, uh, Super Bowl champions. Arman, welcome to the show. Uh, just share your your uh, your background, your story, how you got into sports, and uh, of course how you got to 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 be with Chiefs, and uh, of course congrats on on the latest uh, on the latest win. I think the entire team are, is is excited. Yes, well, thank you so much, Eugenie. This is uh, this is quite uh, it's quite an honor. I've uh, I, I appreciate you uh, you extending the offer to to come here and speak today. Um, love what you're doing with the podcast. I think it's awesome. Love people to take initiative on that. So yes, as you mentioned. From Winnipeg, uh, in Winnipeg at the moment, due to the current landscape, um, you know, some personal stuff as well going on here as well too. So, um, but yes, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, world champions. It, it 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 is great to be a part of uh, a great franchise and one that has been successful. Um, you know, I've been very lucky to be a part of a great uh, franchise from 2015. Every year we've made the playoffs. So. I'm gonna knock on wood there just to make sure that that keeps going. Well, you, you got um, you, 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 you got Patrick Mahomes for another ten years. Come on, man! <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, which is also very, very exciting. Huge announcement for the club. Um, ten-year deal worth up to five hundred million dollars, which would be the largest professional sports contract in North American history. So um, we're very excited about that. But uh, look, you know, my my career, my kind of trajectory to where I am today has been kind of. Um, a little bit unusual, but I think most people who work in sports, that is what they would say about themselves. So like I mentioned from Winnipeg, um, knew I didn't want to go to school here in, in Manitoba. I felt like I wanted to try and, you know, spread my wings, so to see, say, and, uh, you know, kind of make it on my own. Um, you know, having a, uh, you know, a dad from India and mom from England who moved to Canada where they met, um, kind of that a little bit inspired me to kind of go out and, and try something new. So, went to the University of Dalhousie, which is in Halifax in Nova Scotia on the East Coast of Canada. Initially was going to go and do um, medicine or pharmacy. Decided before I got there to switch into the arts program. Figured I'd do poli-sci and economics after taking a world issues class in grade 12 or senior year for Americans. 
Um, and then when I got there, I realized this was not what I wanted and it was not what I was interested in. So I switched to the business management. My family had restaurants growing up. So I was always in that entrepreneurial mindset, both of my parents and even their parents were entrepreneurs in, in, in some way, shape or form in their history. And so um, switched to business management was really great. Finished that up. But during that time, you know, I started writing for a blog. I, I actually created my own blog and I, I won't disclose the name of it. I'm sure somebody will go and find it, but it's, it's been for quite a while. So hopefully it's buried on the internet. Um, but essentially one of my friends reached out and said, you know, that you should write for the sports paper. Like the, the, the university has a sports section. You should go do it. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not qualified. I'm not a, I'm, I'm definitely not a writer. Um, he said, you should go. So I did, I showed up and of course, when I showed up, there was somebody who was also from Manitoba who happens to work there, Ian Fraze, one of my good friends. Um, and so I was like, oh, like, this is interesting. So they said, why don't you go cover soccer? I was like, okay, great. I'll go do whatever you need me to do. So I started going. And again, my writing was very bad back then. And it's, you know, it, it allowed me to improve too. So I did that for a little while. And um, I'll speed up the story here as this could take on forever. Just to, <laughs> no, it's fine. We've got not time. to drown out too long. But um, but essentially, I there was a basketball championship. The national basketball championships were in Halifax that year, as they had been for quite a while. So I took that opportunity and said, "Hey, I'll go." So my friend Ian and I, we you know we all dressed up and we wore like proper you know media attire and and showed up with the intent to be super professional. So when I was there and covering it, which was an awesome experience, um, I met some people who were starting their own company called NorthPoleHoops.com, and so they were a scouting service in Canada for basketball, which at the time, even then, you know, Canadian basketball was not necessarily the world power that it has started to become even now today, um, the second most NBAers um, outside of America, more or less, come from Canada. So I said, hey, like, I'm interested. I'm looking for something to do this summer. Can I help? And so they're like, yeah, great. Why don't you cover all things basketball in Manitoba? And then when you're back in Nova Scotia, cover those. So I started to build my own public brand and opportunity, more or less. Um, and then what that turned into is when I came back to Dalhousie for my final year or third year, sorry, um, it allowed me to start covering games. So I started doing the color commentary. I started broadcasting the games. I was doing the camera work to begin with. And then I got to go call games. So I got to call soccer games and basketball games. And there was a university for those that are from Halifax or know of it, that Dalhousie and St. Mary's share a street. So I would walk down after class and cover some other basketball games during the week too. So I was keeping very, very busy, but learning it. And I think one of the things that has benefited me over my life is the ability just to remember things, you know, randomly to the point where I could remember exactly where I'd seen each player at each time in the high school gym, in a college gym, how good was he? Was he faster than this person? And it allowed me to start to build this database of knowledge so that when I was talking, I almost became to a certain extent a fault an encyclopedia about the teams and the players and everything. And I just realized that this was so much fun and I loved it. It wasn't work. It was just, I'm going, I'm writing an article anyway. I might as well color and commentate and get myself and my personal brand out there. So after doing that, realized that, you know, working for free was not an option when I, when I graduated. So I moved back to Winnipeg. And so the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which is the Canadian football league team here in Winnipeg, built a brand new stadium. So I had reached out to some people for a class and I said, Hey, I'm coming back to Winnipeg. I'm looking for a job. Do you know if you guys are hiring? I'll, I'll have, I'll have a wide skill set." And she said, Oh, because your family has restaurants, we need somebody to manage the food and beverage okay. side. 
they're the company ovations, which is now spectra mm-hmm. for those following along is looking to hire some people and they need some good people. I think you'd be a good fit. So I went in and I went in for this interview, which was very unusual because the team and the food and be- beverage vendor at the time was very different. They were they're two sides and they were both kind of fighting over me in a weird way that I was unaware of. It was a very unusual meeting, but anyway, so they agreed that I would manage the team. So I managed the suite level or luxury boxes is more commonly in Europe. Um, I managed about 30 of them on game day. So anything to do with issues with food or prepping the sweets or whatever the case may be kind of ran through me. So I managed a team of about 25 to 30 people on game day, depending how many people showed up. And a lot of people did not show up. It's just transient work that you have to kind of get used to in terms of who you're working with. So every week was a new challenge. There was a grease fire one time and the elevator shut down on the other wow. side of the building. So we had to literally manually carry all the food up across the stadium, which is very difficult when people want to take hot food off of your plate. So um, did that for a year, but knew I didn't want to do it forever. Decided to do my M- uh, to take my GNAT and go do my MBA. So the year before I graduated Dalhousie, um, I'd met a Canadian who was in the San Diego State program. And so had a chance that once I graduated, I flew down and said, this is what I want to do. So I really enjoyed, you know, meeting Scott Minto, who has been on the program as well. Um, and, and this was kind of the right fit for me. So came back, finished out the season, got accepted, went to San Diego in 2014, um, and then essentially did the one-year program, um, loved it, loved every minute of it, and then essentially did six-month internship. And I was initially planning to go back to Winnipeg. The Women's World Cup was coming here. And that was kind of like a great event to aspire to, FIFA. I love soccer. So um, ended up applying randomly to the Chiefs. I didn't know anybody there. Um, they called back and said, hey, we'd like to interview you. I was like, okay, awesome, great. So took the interview, got the job, and I was like, okay, like how much does it pay? Like it doesn't pay. I'm like, uh, okay. My mom offered to lend me a little bit of money just to kind of get by. So I essentially ended up uh, in Kansas City and decided to take the job. It's been one of the greatest decisions I've ever met, made. So um, ended up in Kansas City as the suite servicing intern. Then essentially five weeks in, they were looking to hire somebody and they said, you know, hey, like we'd love to hire you. So took the job um, as a suite service coordinator and that's kind of where my journey began at the Chiefs. And it's kind of morphed into a number of different things. And it's one of those things where initially I came in with just like, you know, wide eyed and just like, I'll do anything. Right. And then it kind of became, oh, hey, like somebody's left. Can you do this for us? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. And slowly and surely I started to add more and more and more to my uh, to my skill set. And it's allowed me to kind of see different things and kind of add value wherever I can more or less. So. That's kind of my, again, that's not a short story. It's a long story, but uh, one that I, you know, I find a little bit unique. No, that's, that's awesome. And, um, you know, when I talked to Scott, he, he was like, Hey, look, you should talk to Armand. He's got an, he's got an awesome story. And I was like, of course, (laughs) like, you know, and it's, I, I agree with, with him and with everyone who, who supports the fact that, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's all about who, you know, in, uh, in this industry. And it's, uh, you know, it's just a random, like, if I wouldn't know Scott, I wouldn't know you, <laughs> you know, stuff like this. And this is only one link, you know, like I'm not talking about prior to, to, mm-hmm. to the masters, but you had a good point there that um, you mentioned um, you had a friend who also recommended uh, SDSU program. And um, actually I had to say, uh, this, is, this is the same story I had. I, there was a Moldovan girl cause I'm originally from Moldova and uh, uh, she, she lives in uh, Madrid and work. Uh, she's been working for La Liga as well. And um, 
uh, I asked her, I randomly found her in the alumni uh, you know, list and just asked about the program, what to put emphasis on and, you know, made my, you know, helped making my decision, making my mind and, uh, and pursuing the, the dream, you know, um, and for the listeners before the call, uh, I had a quick chat with Armand and I made a joke and I, I saw only a red, <laughs> a red shirt and I thought it's an Arsenal shirt <laughs> and he showed me it's a, it's a Kansas city shirt. And, uh, uh, he, he said he likes Manchester. So, uh, Manchester United, not city. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's, uh, red through and yeah, through. Uh, what, uh, what was the sport, the favorite sport that you grew up with watching? Cause you, you know, in Manitoba, um, what was the, uh, I, I guess, hockey or something, or what was the deal? Yeah, no, I, I again, and to your point earlier before I forget, I thought it was a really good point, is that it's the connections, right? Like the sports industry is so small, even though it has this massive platform around the world that everywhere, shape and form, you know, sport brings people together and every, whether it's rugby, whether it's cricket, whether it's literally a pickup game of soccer outside or a hockey game or whatever. Um, it has this ability to connect people. But like you mentioned, anytime I meet a Canadian, it's an instant, we got to connect, like, because we're Canadian, we have one of the same. And I've always been a big believer in networking because everybody has a story, just like mine, just like yours, just like the next guest you're going to have on. It's what is that story? And can you uncover something that connects us? Everything connects us as humans, no matter the color of your skin, no matter the gender, everything connects us. You just have to dig a little bit to work to find it. Sometimes I will, when I'm going to a city um, for a visit or for even a, a, a meeting, I'll look up on LinkedIn. I'll try to find people that went to San Diego State, people that went to Dalhousie, because you never know the stories or the, or, or the experiences those people might bring. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, Scott introduced us together, right? At some point, I'm going to introduce you to somebody, you're going to introduce me to somebody, and that network will continue to grow as well as bring everybody together, which will be small. So I thought that was, I thought it was wonderful. I'm a huge believer in LinkedIn and networking and, and everything comes yeah. with that. But to answer, to answer your actual question, yeah, so growing up, I, um, I was just obsessed with any kind of sports here or there. So uh, my favorite sport probably to watch is probably American football. Um, however, my favorite sport to play is probably soccer and or cricket. Um, you know, growing up with a dad from India and a mom from England, make me a perfect cricketer, or at least so I think, um, in the sense that, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, all sports growing up, basketball, I played soccer, I played for quite a while, um, you know, it was very into racing, cricket, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Rugby is uh, is a sport I'm starting to learn a little bit more about and try to find it, right? But it goes back to the what was available and what was on, right? I, I, I never played hockey growing up because neither of my parents did. And so, you know, hockey can be very expensive. And so it wasn't like, a, let's go do hockey and sign up and go take you out at six o'clock in the morning for an ice time. It was more of, okay, soccer's here. You got your shoes and your, and your jersey and your kit. You can go now. So um, it's just one of those things where we're growing up. It's a little bit different, more or less. So, uh, moving towards because, of course, all your experience just built you, uh, built you up as a uh, your personality, your experience, and so on. Um, and you mentioned right after you graduated um, from the uh, MBA at SDSU, uh, what was the first role that you you did with the with the Chiefs and like what what were you doing at that point as you got into the, into the, into the organization? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, the experience I had in Winnipeg with the Blue Bombers allowed me to bring those experiences to the interview for the suite services position. So our luxury box has a suite servicing coordinator. So at that time, essentially myself and another person was responsible for all things entitled to suite. So any account manager question um, that they had, so decision makers building relationships with top CEOs who have questions, get to know them when it comes to renewal time, you know, what can we do to kind of help them or, or at least kind of foster that relationship. So that was kind of initially what I first did, right? And then they said, okay, why don't you manage the CRM system? This is new thing. Why don't you try to take on that? Okay. Then it was, hey, why don't you do some reporting for us? You know, I need to give that to you so that my boss can open up a little bit more time. Okay. So now he's got essentially, so I've got now all the reporting. So then anything to do with finance and whatnot. And then before I transitioned to my, um, to the coordinator of business analytics, I was doing a little bit more of, hey, we need to do the partnership stuff. So I got into corporate partnerships, which is where I sit now, more or less. Um, so yeah, kind of essentially every couple of months or so it was, hey, I need you to do this. Can you add this to your skill set? We think you can do this. Or, or literally it was somebody's leaving. We need you to pick up the slack. What can you do here? Sort of thing. So it, it balanced inside and out more or less. Um, but I think it's been, right. it's been a great got- experience. You got from uh, from food and beverage and you know sweets and stuff like that to analytics, <laughs> and you know building strategies yes. and and executing on them and so on. Like um, your current role within uh, within the Chiefs, and you've been I think for two and a half years or so in this in this role. Uh, what specifically Armand doing in twenty twenty? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, no. So. It's been great in a sense that, you know, one thing that I've been really fortunate to have is people that believe in me and bosses and whatnot, and that they've allowed me to kind of continue to keep kind of adding things that are, are, of, are of interest to me. So, so in my current role as a manager of business analytics, our partnerships and suites department is structured where we have a sales team and a service team. There are partnership salespeople and suite salespeople, partnership activation and suite servicing, but they all roll up to one kind of department head. So I sit in the middle of those teams. So I'm neither sales, I'm neither activation, I'm in the middle. So over my time, I have activated and I have serviced accounts. I got a chance to manage all of our media business, which was an incredible experience and very stressful, but also a great learning experience. I've had a chance to sell, um, which has been really cool. And then learning how that process works. So in my current role, I do a number of different things. So I do sell. So if there is an opportunity for a partnership where I have a relationship, I will lead those conversations and can. I do support the sales process. So typically we work in pairs, a lead and a support. So I'll support in that sense. I will still oversee our CRM system. I still oversee our reporting, whether that has to do with um, suites or partnerships or anything to do with finance, kind of from an auditing perspective runs through me. Um, I oversee our vendor strategy. So anything to do with different vendors, whether that be a new software or whatever to do with our partnership department runs through me. I oversee our measurement strategy. So how are we going to take what we've sold and measure it, right? So, which is why I try to be in the middle. So on the sales side, I can come in and say, okay, so what are the KPIs? How can we impact these three things? 
And how are we going to measure them to show the partnership is working in a time and day and age when brands are getting very smart? They're trying to be really critical about how they spend their dollars. And we're trying to be the, the leader in the ability to show them this is where the value is coming from. We've checked off these objectives. Um, I also do oversee special projects. So that could be anything. That could be, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. We need someone to manage the tickets for the partners, organizing them, finding seat locations, figuring out how many people need. Can you go do that? And that's not a job description role that I consider myself to have. But in the moment, it was, hey, we need you to run with this. Can you do this? Or with the new situation with the NFL, I said they're going to tarp the first eight rows. Okay, what's our strategy? How do we put it to place? Are we going to measure it? Are we measuring it? Who are the vendors? All that stuff kind of runs through me. That's not a traditional day-to-day job, but kind of falls to me as well too. And you had mentioned about like, how did I get from sweet servicing to analytics? Well, I think one, having a background in business management in terms of thinking about businesses really, really helped me already have that foundation. Doing the MBA piled even more information on that to create an even deeper foundation. But more or less, it's just a curiosity, right? I mean, I am not a data scientist. That's very much my, <laughs> my, uh, what I say a lot. But in the data meetings, I'm the salesperson. In the sales meetings, I'm the data person. So it's about wearing hats and being able to translate, which has been extremely helpful for me, um, especially in my career. You mentioned... Having that extra job of Super Bowl, uh, you know, arrangements and stuff like that. I think it's a pleasant, pleasant uh, job to have. I mean, not not an unwritten, uh, unwritten job description. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where you know, in 2016, we were the number two seed, so we had a buy into right. the first after the first round, and we put together sort of a framework of what would it look like if we went to the Super Bowl because a lot of people don't realize. Really, like it to put the travel for even the business staff, forget the football side. That is nothing to do with me, let alone from partners, suite members. How are you taking care of your own business staff? That's a very lengthy process that takes a lot of time. And there are vendors that can come in and help with that. But I got my first taste of it in 2016 as it was a if we win, we're one game away from going right to the Super Bowl. So, what's our plan? Then in 2017, it was unfortunately cut short, so we didn't get to get that far. 2018, we got all the way up to just the left. Literally, D Ford was an inch offside from us going, right? Um, which allowed us to put the framework together so that all that preparation we did, all that time, all the thinking through, literally, when we got to last year, as soon as we finished our bye week in December, it was everyone is thinking about playoffs and everyone is thinking about Super Bowl. Our plan is that we're going to the Super Bowl. How are we going to execute when we do? So a lot of the work we've done in the three years prior, how many tickets would they get? Who would get the tickets? Where would we sit them? How would we sit them? How would we do this? What would we plan for the party? All those different things were already in motion. So literally, it was not even, I don't need you to focus on the playoff game. I need you to think about the Super Bowl plan. I need you to be focused on this because when we go, we're going. And so like, it was, it was, it was actually really cool to see that kind of come to fruition and go, Oh yeah, we did that. I have that document. Let me pull that out, make some edits, make some changes. Cause we're going to get better, but how can we shift that and kind of use that? So that was a very cool experience. Very stressful. I mean, you know, holding a Super Bowl ticket, I've had the chance to do that in the past, but 
holding a ticket is, you know, you can't lose it because that is it. That is the one ticket. And, you know, they're locked away in the security safe and the face value of every ticket, which the NFL is, Super Bowl has become so expensive. It's just there's extra heightened level of, okay, where is it? Where do we put it? Is it in the right spot? Okay, we've switched this on our grid. Are we going to switch the actual physical tickets? Because a lot of what we're used to right now is actually mobile ticketing, which has been a huge bonus for us, right? And with everything going on with COVID in the world, mobile ticketing is going to be sped up in terms of adoption rate. You know, there's no longer going to be the probably the physical ticket in three or four years. It's going to be completely gone. It's going to be just but a you, literal. But, but you, you have you have a good point here. Uh, but at the same time, we're. I, th- I think the physical tickets still have to. I mean, I'm all about dig- digital, uh, mm-hmm. but whenever it comes to physical tickets, I think is there is still this demand of you know memorabilia. Uh, you know, ima- imagine Super Bowl ticket signed by Patrick Mahomes. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things where, yes, you do bring a very good point. And that is something that these uh, vendors and entities like Ticketmaster are going to have to start to think through, right? I mean, I, just like you, I'm sure with all the trophies in the back and stuff that you've got, you probably have a ticket from some game or some experience that you've been to. And I mean, I, I have a ticket from the Pro Bowl in Miami from 2011. But I still got, and I've carried around with me from, you know, from, from Halifax to Canada to San Diego to Kansas City. It goes everywhere with me. But like, and, and I still hold on to it and it brings back memories. Now, how will they, how will they fix that, right? That's going to be the, you know, I, I've heard concepts about, okay, what if there's like a little kiosk that you could go and spend a little bit of money and then it'll print you out a game ticket or something. I think there's a small window of opportunity for those types of things. but. Yes, everything is tied to the ticket, right? And as much as the e, the, the one thing is that for me, I am a more digital person, right? The ability to then, if someone can go, okay, send me back the ticket. I'll give it to somebody else and then they'll go rather than the old, okay, let's meet up at this time, at this place. And I'm already at the stadium. Where are you? No longer needed for that. So it's, again, it's exciting technology coming coming to the forefront here of the sports industry. No, you're right. And it reminds me of uh, um, all the memorabilia in general, like uh, the sports cards, they, they're getting back into 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 play. I talked with Scott a little bit about this. And, you know, I'm just getting, you know, all the 80s, you know, our parents uh, used to, to to collect them. And now I, th- I think all this, uh, all this stuff like uh, tickets to important games that will, you know, bring 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 back the memories and so on i think it's it it might be that you know ticket master for example could on demand uh print the tickets to who am to whoever whoever is the owner of the ticket somehow and send and post it or something like this i don't know like it might be also like in sports cards you know and in, in frames and so on you never know i mean it might be business mm. yeah i mean i think there's a great yeah there's a great monetization opportunity right i think people have shown that for specific experiences, they're always going to spend more, right? Why does a backstage meet exist at a concert? Because you can't buy it. You can, sorry, you can buy it. There is a price, but it's an added experience, which is where they get a lot of this additional um, added, right? I mean, we have opportunities for certain clubs or certain areas where it's exclusive. And 
you know, it's just that the, the sports industry is continuing to add these experiences as ways to show your fandom to increase revenue um, will only continue to grow and grow. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see where that continues in post COVID, right? I think that's going to be very interesting, right? I think you've seen um, McLaren kind of doing some, they're going to create a, again, I'm very, very limited on the details, but my understanding is they're creating a, um, like a, for a loyalty program for their sponsors, essentially where they can log in and receive all this extra specific content, right? And that's where I think the new jump is going as well too, is this behind the scenes content. What was it? Barcelona released something on Facebook where it was like, you could, spend I think oh, it was $2 or something. Yeah, yeah, like and, like the uh the partnership with the uh, with Chile is the uh, tokens. The mm, uh, yeah, they they're I mean, like they 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 sold out in like 2 uh, to 2 minutes yes, or hours. It was yeah. yeah, it was 2 hours or something like that. So like that is an example of a massive global entity using and leveraging its okay, you're a fan, but are you the fan? Are you a elite fan and consider that and that's a badge of honor, right? One of the things that we in Chiefs Kingdom, people are very passionate about being a season ticket member. It is a badge of honor to be a season ticket member for X number of years. I mean, we have people who have been season ticket members for 50 plus years, and they wear that as, well, I'm a season ticket member. I've been here for 50 years. I've been for the good, I've been for the bad, and I've been for the great. And that's something that's just so unique about sports that um, I think it's hard to hard to forget that in these times when people are so passionate and are trying to find ways to engage with the team. And I think the teams that are really, really good at finding ways to connect with their fans in a unique way, because in social distancing, until there's a vaccine, it's going to be very, very different, right? I mean, the Ravens came out yesterday and said that they're going to basically keep the capacity at 14% or so. The Chiefs have come up with a similar plan, but we, we have not released how many seats that will be in. That's not... I think I think the first the first the first ones were uh, Miami Dolphins with like fourteen thousand out of sixty thousand, so that's like twenty five percent or so. Yes, the Dolphins have been again a little bit of a, they they came out pretty pretty early on. But one of the things the Dolphins also did is they created a drive in movie theater or they're yep. creating a drive in concert venue. So one of my friends works for the Dolphins and he had posted a picture on LinkedIn about him going with his wife um, to go watch, I think the Lion King or something at, at hard rock stadium on their, on their big screens. Right. And it just, Crazy. it creates for <laughs> again, teams that are innovative that are going to continue to think about this will continue to widen the gap post COVID. Because I think as I'm sure you're seeing, this is speeding up a lot of things, right? Technology speeding up. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be very, very exciting and quite interesting to see what the future holds in this sense. Yeah, Armand, I was thinking about uh, right now the the news of uh, of, uh, Pat, of you know the uh, renewal mm-hmm. of uh, Patrick's uh, uh, contract for another ten years, mm-hmm. which is going to bring him like I think to the top one, uh, the top of the uh, most earnings for for a player, right? Yes. And it made me think like you 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 said you got to Chiefs when you know you the the franchise was doing great, like you know getting into playoffs ever mm-hmm. you know since then from 2016 onwards how was the did you have a chance to to talk to your peers who were longer than you in the organization and especially from the partnerships because uh, i think it's going to be a huge value to the listeners out there uh how you and what can you leverage whenever the uh, and how you you know acquire new partners uh when the things are going bad yeah 
course. So, you know, in um, one of the things that, uh, you know, when I was at the Blue Bombers, they opened a brand new stadium, which if there are a few things you can do in a sports career and be a part of, one of the things that you can do is be a part of a brand new stadium, be a part of a relocation, winning a championship or a team team's name are really exciting times where something happens and it's extraordinary, right? New stadiums only come around 30 to 40 years. Team name changes are super rare. Winning a championship is not every year. And, you know, if you relocate, that's also not that often. So I was very lucky to be a part of a stadium where they were literally installing seats minutes before they opened the doors to let people in for the first event. And I thought that was crazy. Now, what that allowed us to do is present with a fresh slate. Now, what happened is that season, they went three and 15. They lost 15 games. They only won three. They fired the CEO. They fired the head coach. They fired the offensive coordinator. They changed the quarterback four times. I mean, it was dismal. So I'm aware of what it's like to be. I mean, we were serving bottled water and people were saying it didn't taste right. And I'm like, I can't do anything about that. But it's the mindset, right? And you know, negativity sometimes breeds negativity, right? It impacts people's moods, right? You know, when I came to the Chiefs in 2015, we've won every year that I've been there, which is an incredible feat and not very often in the NFL does that happen. Now, people, so for example, there's a gentleman on our team who used to be one of our all-time leading tacklers until just a couple of years ago, and he works on our community team. And he's been here for a long time, maybe 30 years at the Chiefs. And he's seen like a season where we've gone two and fourteen, and four and four and twelve, and two and fourteen. So over a three-year period, and I have some friends who've been part of this. They only won eight games. We won, I think, twelve last year alone. Right. So there are times where it's tough, but for from my perspective, people that stick with you during the tough times will also benefit the rewards. In the good times, we had a partner, McDonald's, who came with us during those tough times, and their business has continued to improve over that time as the team has continued to rise. So to answer your point about sponsors, yes, when the team is not doing as well, a lot of teams, for example, the Cleveland Browns I'm aware of, they are very innovative, right? When you are doing terrible, you have to have a value proposition. What is it? For the Browns at the time, it was, look, we're going to go do some crazy stuff. Like we're, we're willing to take a deal that we might not if we were at an elite level per se from a on-field performance. What being in the national spotlight does is it raises eyeballs to you. So Kansas City is the 30th largest media market in the United States. So we rank in the bottom. So I think Buffalo, New Orleans, um, Green Bay, ourself are in the bottom in terms of population size, as well as um, in terms of media market. So when brands are looking, they usually look to a New York, an LA, a San Francisco, a Dallas, a Miami, media markets that are larger because they want to get the most eyeballs. Now, because of the on-field success, our national fan number has put us into the top five in the country. So we have the most fans across the entire country, which allows us to become way more appealing from that perspective. So we've taken the ability that all eyes are on us. We're going to have national games. 
We are a national brand. And that's what is making people listen to the conversation. Um, you know, Kansas City in itself is not as diverse of a market as a New York or a San Francisco, but we do offer certain things that maybe those other markets might not. Sure, you can reach 8 million plus people in the New York metropolitan area, but don't forget, there's the New York Jets, there's the New York Giants, there's the New York Red Bull, there's New York FC, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York, the New, New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, the Yankees, universities there. Everything, the, the Yankees, uh, there's thousands of options, yep. right? And so that's something to consider. The Knicks even, you know, th there's so many options. Whereas in Kansas City, we have Sporting Kansas City, the Royals, and the Chiefs. And so it's a smaller market, but there's less competition. So that, that it all factors into it. At the end of the day, it's can you be creative? Can you think about new ideas? And at the Chiefs, we've been very fortunate where we don't have set list of assets we like to look at okay tell me your problems things that you want to improve let me come back with some solutions and let's design something together that will impact your business in a positive way a lot of times people think about it being a win-lose situation the brand has to beat the sponsor and get as much money as possible those sponsorship deals fall apart very very fast if we look at it as Here's what we're looking for in a partner. Here's what you want as a brand. How can we try to make those things work where it's a win-win? Because we'll have a partner like Coca-Cola who's been with the team since 1962. They've been with us for almost the entirety of the franchise. And that's something that we're very, very proud of in the sense that we like to talk about our long partnerships and our in ingrained relationships that we have. So we don't have 200 sponsors. We have more closer to 50 to 60 where they're very specific and they're really strong relationships because we do ask for quite a bit of money for the friend, for, for the fee more or less for the sponsorship. So um, yeah, I think it's all about relationship, but it's all about thinking about it as a true partnership, a win-win will make all of the difference rather than looking at it as a win. I, lo I love it. I love it. Uh, everything you said there. And it's, uh, I really appreciate the, the word partnership more than sponsorship. I think a lot of, a lot of uh, organizations are like, oh, we're looking for sponsors. It's not like that anymore. Like you have to see what's the brand's, I mean, not the organizations, but the brand's mis uh, you know, goals. If it's awareness, if it's, you know, uh, rebuilding their status or something like this. And just, have to the organization is just helping with that and so providing you know the ecosystem to facilitate that. But uh, Armand, when when it comes to fan base, because it's interesting, you know, uh, until until you know Feb back in February with the with the Super Bowl, what are your main markets outside the U.S. where you notice the biggest uh, fan base? Yeah, so the NFL does have some information on that. They do provide a. Um, an out of market, if you want to yeah. call it that report where, um, so the major markets for the NFL in general are so Canada, which obviously I like to think that the increase of Chiefs fans in Canada is t tied to me. However, we do have two Canadian players, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who's a doctor, mm -hmm. um, and getting his, his medical degree. And then Ryan Hunter, who was on the practice squad last year and should be on the, on the main roster this year. Um, so there's Canada, the UK, Germany, Brazil, and China are seen as the biggest 
um, quote unquote, NFL markets outside of the United States. Obviously, Mexico as well, too. Sorry, I forgot about that one. So they've had games, they've had a couple games in Canada, they've had some games in Mexico, they've had some games in the UK. There was the NFL Europe, which I'm sure you remember many years ago, um, which was mainly in Germany. So again, I think for us, you know, the report said that the most fans that we had happened to be in Germany. So again, we don't have any German players. We don't have anyone that claims to be from Germany necessarily on our team at the moment. Um, but I think it's more or less just a lot of times that sometimes success breeds success, right? When you become more popular, you're on more national television games is when it really impacts the ability for your brand to be seen. The more time your brand is seen, the more opportunities there are for eyeballs. The more eyeballs, it leads to more consideration. More consideration leads to more purchases. More purchases leads to more of everything else. It just, the pie continues to grow and grow. Um, a lot of times when I talk to people from different parts of the world and I ask, what is your favorite team and why? There's either a very specific story of, uh, uh, for example, the reason I became a Manchester United fan is my cousin who is in England lives in Manchester, grew up there. He gave me a Manchester shirt when I was six years old, right? That was my way of just being aware of what's going on. My sister is expecting to have a child in a couple weeks here. And so I've gone off and bought a bunch of my favorite team's gears to start the process early. I want them to start, I want to start the indoctrination, let's call it that, um, you know, of the process. So I think about that being impactful. Either there was Somebody gave me something, someone watched it, or I saw this team so much, I watched it a lot. So a lot of times it's proximity, it's ability to see what's on TV. And I think about this for smaller leagues and franchises as if you're not on TV, if you can't get eyeballs, it's going to be very hard to build up a fan base, right? Being on TV really matters, whether that's streaming or cable or OTT or whatever the case it is. Um, it really makes a difference that it's going to impact you. So for us, right, the international growth will continue to come if we continue to play, you know, in Super Bowls, if we continue to play overseas, right, with every other year we play in, in, in Europe or something. I mean, I had a chance to go to London and watch the Chiefs play the Lions, and I met somebody who was a Chiefs fan, and I asked him, I said, how are you a Chiefs fan? He said, oh, I went to Omaha for a work trip and they said, let's go down to Kansas City. Granted, Omaha is three hours away from Kansas City <laughs> driving. But, you know, we, we, had, we, we got some tickets and we drove down and we went. Wow. And now I'm a Chiefs fan. And my son's a Chiefs fan. And they asked to borrow my flag to take a picture with it. And I was like, absolutely. So you hear things like this and it continues to grow. Now, having a face of the franchise, like a Tom Brady for the New England Patriots, which has been very successful, or a Patrick Mahomes that signed a 10-year extension and will be with the team for almost 15 years in its entirety once the contract is completed, only continues to help the fan base and continue to push forward. So it's all very exciting in that sense as well, too, to see what will come on the international Abs- Absolutely. Right? And uh, we're, I really hope that the you know, NFL will come back in Europe as well because, you know, with all this... Uh, uh, unfortunately, there were supposed to be uh, some opening games, I think, here in Europe, and they were they were canceled. Yeah, there was. I think the NFL was basically allowed said that they were going to do three to five games a year in the in, in Europe or so, depending on the new yeah. Tottenham Stadium 
is essentially designed for the ability and ease to, which that is fascinating. And I'm, I'm fascinated by how they built all the systems um, to allow for NFL games there. I had a chance to go to Wembley and watch the, the Lions and the Chiefs play many years ago. And it was a great experience to just to see so many fans riled up. Really how, do you, how, how did you see? Because I think you were at Twickenham as well, weren't you? Uh, it's, it's in the same. We did okay. not play at Twinkham yet. No. So we've only been to, to Europe once since I've been with the team since 2015. But, um, you know, again, there might've been a chance for us to go right. this year. I don't know, given that, you know, with everything going on, that right. might be, might be pushed back enough. But usually every three to four years, a team gets to go over either as a home team or an away team. Right. So, um, it's all part of the NFL's uh, initiative to, to grow the, to grow the game. Right. I think it's all about seeing people, which is why La Liga really wants to come play in the States because they know it's a massive market. And if they can get their top teams over here, they can continue to generate um, an environment and an experience about it. So um, hopefully that they'll be able to have that here because it'd be great to see some of the best players. In the world. Absolutely. Um, so to give um, Armand, because the audience of, uh, you know, the podcast is more, uh, we're targeting more the the youth who want to get into the into the sports uh, business industry. You know, um, you've been both in smaller organizations. You know, in the, in you know the uh, the basketball organizations, the smaller ones in Canada. You know, throughout you know, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, <clears throat> where, from your point of view, is better to start? For to to gain, like, are you like? like I'll give a little bit yeah. of context. Like, is it? And and this 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 question is really you know very trending on uh, on on uh, when it comes to platforms for for youth to get into into the industry. Is there um, you'd rather choose the organization that you want to work for, and you know not the position that you might be really fascinated about, or the position that you're really fascinated about in a organization that you know might have you know it's not maybe your favorite one or you know or you, where you won't see a future? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I would say that, you know, a lot of people talk about the sports industry being difficult to get into, right? And I would say that that is the case, especially with a lot of people being furloughed in, in, in the current environment that, you know, there will be a lot of decent candidates trying to get jobs, potentially even lower than what they were before, right? Just given the climate. Um, I will say that, Yes, there are pros and cons to each entity, right? Minor league is really great to build up the experience if you don't know what you want to do. So when I say that, when you work in minor league baseball or you work in minor league football or soccer or whatever the case may be, primarily cross league, anything that's not on mainstream TV, let's just call mm-hmm. that what it is. Um, the ability to learn and experience everything from tickets to cleaning to being the mascot to changing signs to whatever the case may be is exponential it really impacts your experience in terms of understanding how it is a lot of people look for minor league experience as a way to say okay this person can do what i need them to do so if you know what you want to do and you're very focused on that i would say try to get in wherever you can but in the sports industry, you have to be careful about the certain things, right? There's how much am I going to make? Understanding that certain places might not pay as much. What job do I want to do? And where do I want to live? Because if you really want to live in a certain city, 
you have to be willing to take any kind of pay and any kind of job. If you really want a specific job, you have to be willing to move for that job and take any kind of pay. If you really want to look at the pay, you have to be taking any job and anywhere. So it all depends on those kind of three factors to impact your decision, right? For me, when I was in San Diego, I was willing to move anywhere in North America. I did not know anybody in Kansas City, but I saw that as an opportunity to say, I'll move. Now I'm married, it changes it a little bit where it's I can't just move if I wanted to move because we, I have to make a decision with, with my partner. And so I think about that as, yes, that might, that might impact, right? It might be a point where I need to make more money. I'm not saying that I do, but it's just like, okay, what does that impact it? Do I work in sports? Do I not? Um, those are all decisions that really impact, especially young people. But if you're young and you're single in the sense that you're not tied to anywhere, you can go do anything anywhere, right? And you can go build those experiences. It might be the middle of North America, but if you do it for a couple of years, you can maybe have the experience of, I really like this, or I need to go back to the big city, or I have to go home. But you have to be willing to then take a pay reduction, a job change, a title change in the positive or negative way to make that impact. So it's all about a little bit of sacrifice in the sense of what are you willing to sacrifice to be in the industry, knowing that not everything comes that easily, right? I mean, it took me a little while to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to do it. Um, and timing is everything, right? I think obviously if you're someone coming out right now, like it's going to be tough, but what are you doing during this time to build up those skills so that when people do start hiring, you're ready to go, right? And so I think it's all about building connections. It's about learning different skills, looking at old job descriptions to understand what skills they are looking for in that role to build those during this time if you can, even if it's self-taught. Yeah, when, and when it comes to skill set, you mentioned the skill set for, um, for the younger guys who wants to get into the industry and not only. How how was the process when uh, when um, you got into because you mentioned two stories you know in Canada and then with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs um, how different was the process of getting into these organizations and what what skill set helped you for example and what skills that are really that you know the uh, the organizations are looking into into the now into nowadays when they want to hire someone. Yeah, for sure. So when I got in, when I got the position with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I only got the interview because I knew somebody. I had built a connection and there was no, I didn't use the connection out of, I need something. It was, I'm interested genuinely in what you do. I would like to learn from you. And because of that, it built a relationship. Every time I come back to Winnipeg, I go see that same person and we go catch up about what are you doing? What am I doing? How is life? You know, like it's become more than just a, a work connection. It's become a personal connection. And that's really important. I also had experience working in the food and beverage industry with my family's restaurant. I understand how things work, a certain level of service. So that got me that job to be in the room. Also, when I was doing my reporting and doing my color commentating, it allowed me to be a little more polished so that when I came into the interview, I was not this fresh kid out of college or university. I was more seasoned. I was ready to take the job and saying, I can go talk to very high up people the right way. Let me go prove this to you. And so that was something that I had there. When I came to Kansas City, again, 
I had reached out to somebody. He had said, call me. It never worked out. We never got to connect. But when I applied, I told him I had applied. And I've seen how many people apply for internships at the Chiefs. It can be almost 70 to 80 to 100 people applying for one internship, right? That pays minimum wage. And how do you get noticed in that, in that, in that effort, right? It's hard because every resume is fully qualified. Every resume has a good school or good college or good background or good research or information. How do you make, how do you make the final A pile, right? By instantly knowing someone at help. Now, to answer the second part of your question, how, what am I looking for when I'm looking for people today in terms of skill set? So from the analytics side, I think a lot of these resumes are now coming out with showing R, Python, um, SQL, um, you know, database uh, experience. For me, I'm not necessarily looking for a lot of that. My role is a little bit of a hybrid. I'm not a true data scientist, which as the things I just mentioned, the different softwares and types, you know, that's probably a requirement given the big data that people are working in. But what I'm looking for is I'm looking for just, you know, strong business acumen. And like, for me, it's, this is a characteristic. It's a desire to learn and like be engaged, right? Because there are some days where like, I'm just, you know, I'm exhausted and it's, there's a lot and you just worked a game on Sunday night and you have to be there Monday and you have another game coming up on Sunday. Can you be determined to keep going and keep pushing, right? Um, that's a little bit of the sports culture in a nutshell uh, on the business side. But I do think that a lot of the times it's strong business acumen I'm looking for. Can you think critically, right? That's a very important thing and continuing to find ways to add value, right? Are you prepared for the interview? Did you research me? Did you research the company? Did you get some information? Did you understand what's going on so that when I ask you a question, you can start to approach it in a mindful way that kind of helps me understand your thought process? So those are some of the things that I'm looking for, at least when I was, for this example, um, I hired a seasonal assistant, which unfortunately has still not been able to come due to COVID. Um, you know, but things that I were looking for was, okay, do you have some experience in coding? Do you know how to work an Excel spreadsheet? Because we use a lot of mm -hmm. Excel. Can you present yourself in a way? And do you understand how a sponsorship works? Because if you do, you're going to stand head above the shoulders. Now, can we get along? Can we fit in the right way? Is your personality different than mine? But can we fit in a way that makes sense for both of us to get the most out of each other, Right. My goal for bringing on somebody is to get the most out of them and help them be prepared to take my job, take someone else's job, to move somewhere else and be fully aware of the skills and the experiences to make an impact on that. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking for, at least when, when, I'm, when I'm going through the process. Right. And you, you mentioned like things of how a sponsorship works and stuff like this. I really think now with the COVID situation, I think this is the perfect time, you know, a lot of organizations and you know, um, a lot of people are putting a lot of stuff out there, you know, and for free, you know, because everything is going digital, everything is going online now. A lot of uh, a lot of networking events that usually would be, uh, you know, in a, in a yep. building somewhere in Australia or in North America and would cost money. Now they're putting all that value for free out there on the, on the Internet. And I think that's that's that, you know, everyone should use this uh, this time to 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 get better and to to acquire those knowledge those knowledge 
I mean, it, it, it's as simple as reading the sports business journal every day, reading your local paper, following your local team and understanding what they're doing. What, I mean, I watched MLS's opening game last night. And I was seeing all the different sponsors and I'm thinking, wow, that Adidas yep. right in the middle. <laughs> Do you like center, it? Do you like it? That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> too big. Too big, too big. I'm, I'm mixed on it. I'm mixed <laughs> on it. I'm mixed on it. It's still like it took away yeah. from the game a little bit. Um, but it's, you know, listening to podcasts like this, signing up for free. I mean, I've signed up for tons of free conferences. Do I attend every webinar? No, because I'm busy and I have lots of stuff on the go. But usually if you don't show up, they send you a replay so you can watch it on your own time. Okay, say the time, I mean, I signed up for a conference that started at six in the morning, my time. That's a little bit early for me. However, if I sign up, I can watch the replay maybe at 5 p.m. when my day's over and I want to watch something a little bit later. So I've been taking time to network and understand how other people are approaching these things. What ideas are they thinking about? How did you solve this problem that we're all going through? Um, this is the perfect time to do that. And it really will make you better because you, know, you, you, you build connections, you build another understanding of, I never thought about it that way. Or, oh yeah, I saw that this company is doing this. Um, make it part of your routine, right? I mean, I listen to thousands of different podcasts almost a week, right? And now this one's going to be one that I add to my regular queue because you learn insights and you don't have to learn everything. But if you pull one nugget out of each interview, it can really make a difference, right? 1% better every day compounded over time will Absolutely. become incredible Absolutely, Armon, you got a good point here uh during this during the pandemic have you uh started to do some to have some new habits or have you started to read new stuff or new podcasts that you want to share with the with the listeners out there yeah for sure so i um i've tried i try to read one audio book a week um I also try to listen to as many podcasts as I can. So I just read the book Atomic Habits by mm -hmm. James Clear. And so it's all about building habits and habit stacking and making a habit easy. So every morning now, when I get out of bed, take my dog out in the morning, and I come back in, I try to do push-ups and sit-ups, as many as I can, and then jump in the shower. And that's my mid thing. Before I get in the shower, I have to do my push-ups and sit-ups. And I almost got to the shower this morning and I forgot that I had done them. So I did them ahead of time. So stuff like that, um, again, lots of reading, lots of webinars, some networking kind of like this a little bit uh, has been really become a large part of my, um, my routine in, in, in interest to make myself better, right? The ability to do some networking, you know, I might take away one piece of information. It's, oh, they're using this vendor. I should probably think about that. That's a great idea has really, really helped me um, down the road. And, and I think we'll continue to pay dividends, right? It's investing in yourself by doing podcasts and reading and networking will only continue to help you so that when everything gets going again, you can help more people you got as it. well too. And Armand, I'll uh, play with you. I'll invite you to play with me the reactions game. I guess you you had an opportunity to listen to the previous podcasts. So Few sure, okay. few things. Uh, just tell me first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the the upcoming words. Okay, so Super Bowl. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> New England Patriots. Rebuilding. Patrick Mahomes. Legend. SDSU. Successful. Canada. Healthcare. 
Okay. I love that. <laughs> all right, Armand, thanks a lot for, uh, again, for, for all the insights. I think everyone got there a lot of value. Like personally, like I got things, I, ca I can't even find the, the, you know, enough, uh, thank you words and, uh, in my vocabulary just to, to share that, but thanks a lot for, uh, for taking the time and, uh, joining me on this, uh, on this episode. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure if uh, anyone would love to get to know you more, where they can do that, if you can share some of your most, uh, most uh, visited uh, social media, the one that you like and uh, would get in touch with someone if, wants, if he or she wants to get in touch with you. For sure, yeah. So look, Eugenie, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciative of this. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you yeah. as well through this to this podcast and interview and for anyone listening um i like to post a lot of stuff on linkedin linkedin's kind of my my area there um again if you're interested in connecting send me a note with a specific you know kind of where you heard it or, or something you'd like to learn and i'm happy to connect and so yeah so i kind of post a little bit of a, a weekly book review every every monday morning so um i try to do it every week it's it's not always it's not always easy to do that but yeah so I, i'm essentially linkedin is that, is that the one that you is that the one that you uh, read after every week that you listen to that's what i try to do yes i've got a full queue of, of books and I, i'm trying <laughs> to get through them as quickly as i can yeah and and so i saw one month ago you read the uh the real madrid way how'd you like it i that was <laughs> yes i did i really did like it that was one that was extremely well regarded the author actually even commented on my post so even um that was very cool but professor yes professor yes he did. cool yes yes he did yeah i've I've been lucky enough where a few authors um ozan viral thinking like a rocket scientist mm -hmm. he had a chance to comment and i i connected him with some potential uh conferences that might make sense for him so Uh, it is really cool, but the power of LinkedIn and social media can uh, can bring us even closer together. Right. I will uh, I will post all the books that you mentioned, uh, uh, the latest one in uh, the Real Madrid way in the uh, episode notes for everyone yes. who is interested to listen. I personally listened to Real Madrid way. That was awesome. Um, actually, it's Professor Professor Mendes, um, Dr. Mendes, actually, uh, he completed an Ironman last year. I was like, the Kona, oh, the Kona, Whoa. the Kona. <laughs> The world championships. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. So he prepared wow. a lot. Uh, that was, that was good fun. And uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Armand, thanks again a lot. I'll, uh, I appreciate that a lot. And uh, th thanks again for, for, for uh, hopping on the, on the call. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode. Hope you got a lot of value out of it. Don't forget to like and leave a feedback or written review of this podcast. It helps a lot to spread the awareness and give context to other people why this is worthwhile podcast. See you in the next one. Stay safe.